Jesse, you gain weight? You're muted. <laughs> Wait, am I muted? No, we hear you. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, you want to really introduce him? Yeah, well, I was going to let him introduce himself. Introduce yourself, Intr- fellas. Yeah. Who, who are you and why are you here? And why should people care about you? So, Jesus, that's a um, question. <laughs> I'm Kane Slowakowski. This is my brother, Jesse Slowakowski. We actually have no idea why we're here. We have none. None. Can you but spell your last here. name for the public in case they were? Well, we've never actually figured that one out, but you remember, So, <laughs> I, I've known Kane and Jesse uh, practically all my life, but... I, you know, I think for the longest time I spelled your name wrong. I, I don't think you still can spell it. S-L-O-W-I-K-O-W-S-K-I? Nailed it. Nailed it. I think so, right? That's how it's spelled. Well, I don't know. My, our parents could have messed that one up, so we don't really know <laughs> if it's actually or not. Yeah, we're not really sure. Um, so we just okay. go by Kane and Jesse. Yeah, we're going to go by... Kane and Jesse in Charleston, South Carolina. So yes. we can actually say why they're here. Yeah. Right. Good. So aside from being friends of yours, they're real estate agents in Charleston. So we, we don't talk a lot about real estate on this podcast, but we thought it'd be interesting to get different market dynamics and understanding what it's like in Charleston. And so maybe you can fill us in a little bit about, cause you're from here originally from Baltimore originally. Right. So right. tell us how you ended up in Charleston, how you got into real estate. Let's start from the beginning. Why'd you end up there? I love Kane's. Oh, well, he was he just here first, to... so I'll let I'll let Jesse talk about how he ended up here. Yeah, I graduated college, um, University of Maryland, and came down to Charleston. Wanted warmer weather at the time. Uh, real estate wasn't on my mind then. Um, you, sorry, man. What are you laughing about? <laughs> every sentence he starts with, yeah, <laughs> like he, you can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, I graduated college. <laughs> Yeah, I moved down here. <laughs> Just talk normal. <laughs> yeah. okay. All right, you graduated college, yeah. University of Maryland. This is going to be the whole yeah, hour. So. I moved down here, and, uh, you know, real estate wasn't on my mind. Um, I convinced Kane to move down. He was living on the Outer Banks where our parents had moved while I was in college. And then uh, – I guess shortly thereafter, we figured it was a burgeoning uh, real estate market, and we had our interests in purchasing property ourselves, which we really didn't at that time know much about. Um, And we saw opportunities like those fluke things where people would purchase a property downtown for you know two hundred thousand dollars, and two years later sell it for like six hundred thousand dollars. And we were like, "What's happening here?" We didn't really understand it. So. Kane moved down a year after I did, and he got started uh, in real estate school. And then I did it about a year after he did. And then we both joined uh, Dunes Properties here in Charleston. And then, um, you know, we took off from there. Nice. And Kane, you were initially like a, a bartender and an owner of a bar down there in Charleston first, right? Mer, yeah. Mer. <laughs> I was a project manager in the Outer Banks and... Uh, and then I ended up moving down and got uh, into running a, a bar restaurant on King Street, which was awesome. Um, met lots of cool people right in the heart of the city um, and kind of ended up jumping into real estate while still running the bar and then shifted over full time into real estate about 2015, I believe. And uh, been running with it since. Nice. And Kane, you just got a, a nice big real estate award, didn't you? Yeah, um, I was, 
I can see Quincy laughing. No, serious. This is, serious. No, this, this is not laughter. This, this is a smile of, of uh, pride. I think pride. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. You're his friend, man. He talks yeah. about you all the time. Hey, yeah, hey, and, hey yeah. thanks, Quincy. I You're appreciate welcome, that. Buddy. So, yeah, realtor distinction. Top ten percent of Charleston realtors. Yeah, that was the. Uh, I think they gave you the silver medal. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. You okay. were going to go with the silver there and, no, and mention that I didn't get the gold. Is that, is that what's I didn't, going on? I didn't even know a gold existed. I just was saying I saw the Instagram post. Um, I think you literally text me and asked me why I wasn't gold. <laughs> Listen, man, you can't prove that. So anyway. It's, you um, did it from here. I was here when you texted him. Oh, Jess, Jesse, what award did you get? Nothing. Oh, shit. Why? Sorry, man. Nothing. Nothing. I just didn't, you know. I think you have to do... What is the the minimum sales you have to do? I think what you should be asking them is what awards they got. Yeah, have you ever won an award up there for anything? We have we actually have a box we of have... awards somewhere. Oh, it's behind David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, get those two. We'll yeah, we, we we have them all over the place. They yeah. They, yeah. they had a they had a they had a cherry case made for all yeah. the awards. Yeah. Does, does it in the office? Does it actually have anything to do with real estate or? Do they just like, no, most most of off. our awards next to the are made by our children. Best Dad Award, right? Yeah, those are the ones that really matter. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have office ping pong tournaments? Not during, not since COVID, but before, yes. Mm-hmm. But now, now we do not. Soon though, soon. Yeah, most of our office, um, I feel like, at least the people that would play in that tournament have been vaccinated. So I think it's on the agenda soon. Yeah, yeah. So that was do it. all of your offices there have a Nerf gun wall? No, that would be just us. We and we dominate. Oh, okay. yeah. We dominate. I was able to shoot my lender directly in the mouth last week with my Nerf gun. <laughs> so no one, no one in your office can defend themselves from your. No, weapon. other people do have Nerf guns. Just a single, like a not single a Nerf shot. Wall. Yeah, not a no. Nerf wall. Yeah, they don't have the breadth of a weaponry that we have. It's an arsenal, really. Yeah. That's how I would describe it. Yeah, you guys do go big. Yeah, we do. So I mean, that you. Huh? Go ahead, man. Yeah. What are you going to say? I was going to say, you could just dupe them, and when they think it's a Nerf gun, it can be a paintball, and you could shoot them with that. Um, I feel like that there is a line somewhere in this building to get sued. I think that would cross it. I yeah. think that would cross it. And I think I, I, I think actively I, try I, and find it on a daily basis, and I think that might be it. Mm-hmm. What's So you That's either have really good aim mm-hmm. or really bad aim, because mm-hmm. whoever you shoot at gets hit in the face. So, on a serious note, so obviously, like our market's crazy, insanely tight um, up here. And, you know, talking to Kane and you guys all the time, I know your market's even nuttier, right? Kane, you told me the other day that something like all of Charleston had 1,600 homes that day available. Right. I mean, we were just sitting around 5,500, maybe 6,000 right. homes uh, inventory. We're down to like 1,600 homes. That's um, crazy. Yeah. It's it's pretty it is pretty crazy because I've got a lot of buyer clients who I just can't find the right home because there's just nothing out there you know yeah um, so it actually it actually makes it hard I have a client now and she they want to sell but the buying aspect like you know to write an offer on a place I mean selling the place wouldn't be the problem but buying a place would be the problem right, right? yeah yeah you got to have a good plan approach in it I think right just, was... uh, go ahead. I was talking to a lender the other day and he said something interesting about how we're in an interesting time because right now people are afraid to sell their house before they 
buy a house where it used to be the opposite. Right. So people are holding their mortgages right. now for three or four months or holding, you know, both mortgages, um, which is right. crazy. So are you, um, when you guys sell, are you selling mostly to people who like are Charleston local have been there for a while? Or do you find yourself selling more to people who are moving to the area? Cause Charleston has a ton of transplants. It, uh, a lot of uh, all of it. I mean, we're okay. we're getting an influx of people moving to Charleston. You've got people, uh, sh you know, shifting around uh, for different reasons. And of course, we have a large um, vacation uh, destination title. So you get a lot of people buying on the beaches and even downtown. I mean, that's uh, these are these are like second homes or vacation properties people are looking at. So we get a, a little mix of everything. Yeah. It depends mm -hmm. on lo location where you are. Usually the, uh, the areas like, uh, James Island, maybe like some more sub uh, suburban areas, they, uh, definitely attract the local crowd. And then downtown, the beach is definitely like, you know, that outside crowd coming in. Nice. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about Charleston is attracting everybody? I mean, besides like the mostly warm temperatures, except for today where Baltimore's crushing it. What do you think is so attractive about <laughs> Charleston? You've got, a, I think medium-sized cities are really attractive right now across the country, period. Um, but also Charleston's always been a destination because of uh, the beaches, the, the, the you know, preserved downtown uh, scene, the Call surrounding it. country areas, which are attractive to people. Um, there's a big food aspect to the town. Um, there's just a lot to offer. And in a medium-sized city, I think, People coming out of larger cities are saying, I can still have all my comforts from home, but I've got this whole other thing that I can explore now, which is really fun for us because we're into all that and we get to show people what's what's cool about the city. So for people who aren't familiar with like Charleston geography, like myself, I've, I went there twice. Once was to visit you guys, and then the other time was tour the College of Charleston when I was like 18. Um, but Huge when, mistake not going there. I know. But yeah, when you think time. about medium-sized cities, I mean, we're thinking about Baltimore, D.C., like Philadelphia here. It's pretty much the, the normal representation of what a city people think a city looks like. But in Charleston, you guys are a series of islands. Is that right? Like, how did, Can you explain to people what the Charleston geography is like? It's not just one city. It's like a bunch of different satellite islands. Is that right? Sort of, yeah. I mean, the main peninsula is the is downtown Charleston, but um, the city kind of has spread out a bit from that into the surrounding sea islands, which are basically islands behind barrier islands. And then you have your barrier islands, which are, you know, where your beach towns are and that sort of thing. And that's all kind of the metropolitan area. And the, what people call it is the low country. And that is, I mean, as simple as it is described, it's low lying land, a lot of savanna and marshland a lot of islands and that sort of thing. So those waterways do break up Charleston into different, um, I'm not gonna call them boroughs, but you kind of get the idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and each one has like a separate, you know, culture or each one has its own offerings that are attractive to some people moving down here. What would be some of the more like highlight differences of, of the different islands? Like you mentioned John's Island before, and what would be the differences between some of them? Like for instance, just to pick up on John's Island, I mean, you're like, 15, 20 minutes away from downtown Charleston in Johns Island, but it is, it's been farmland for 400 years. So there's, there's neighborhoods and stuff, but it's very rural. Um, it's got cool restaurants and stuff, but it's spread out. It's and a lot of it's zoned as agricultural to kind of protect that type of atmosphere um, as, as the years go on. So 
that's pretty cool to have something like that that close to downtown Charleston. Um, if you jump over to like uh, Mount Pleasant, for instance, it's a uh, you know, it's developed. There's a lot of great neighborhoods to, um, you know, islands nearby that we, people go to and love to enjoy the beaches there. But that's a completely different atmosphere than, say, John's Island or West Ashley or James Island. Each one's kind of different, all within 15, 20 minutes of downtown Charleston. Yeah, you really get to pick your preference if you're moving here. You know, you kind of you, you rely on your realtor to kind of take you to the right location and kind of show you the vibe of every single place. And they all have a little bit of a different vibe. Um, as far as the the real estate on the islands, though, is there like where we where we are in Baltimore, different neighborhoods have different sort of characteristics and the type of house, the the style of the housing, the architecture. Is that similar down there or, or do most of the islands kind yeah. of feel the yeah. same? I mean, getting used to something on like here is being that it's low, you know, low country. A lot of the homes near marsh, river or the ocean are built up on pilings. That's something you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, adjust to. We're trying to say a above a base flood elevation um downtown has a very strong preservation society so a lot of the buildings from the uh 18th and 19th century are completely intact and protected there's no high rises really downtown there's a couple bigger hotels but um they have restrictions on how tall buildings can be to protect that charm of the city so those are some of the more unique things you see um you can almost trace the decades of development back in Charleston, as you look through houses and stuff, um, you know, when bedroom communities kind of popped up and that, that sort of thing, you kind of can pick the time period. Gotcha. I mean, what are like, because of the geography, I mean, it, it's such a unique area. What are some of the challenges of selling real estate? Like you mentioned just briefly, you mentioned something about the flood zones. Um, yeah. So, I mean, flooding, it, is going to be a concern in an area that's on the coast like this, especially low lying. So um, when you're going to look at houses, you know, you have to look into where the property sits and its elevation and what kind of flood insurance you're going to have to, uh, to take on, especially if you're using lending. Um, then some areas are built in floodplains, some aren't, some are up high. Um, this is just the kind of research that your realtor should help you out with when you're looking at real estate in Charleston. Um, you're really it's gonna be hard pressed to find things over 40 foot let's put it that way a lot of stuff is in that like 10 to 20 foot range you mean above sea level yeah above sea level wow hmm. what's uh what's riverland terrace you were telling me i was shocked to know how high above sea level that was at certain parts of it it's it's uh this is our neighborhood if right. uh anyone's interested but it's it's built up on a berm above the Stono River, so you're about 30 to five to 40 some feet up. Yeah. They also built a fort there. It's in the neighborhood in the Civil War for the same reason. It's up high, and they get a view of the river. Right. I mean, it was so interesting to me, like you know, uh, living in Baltimore, and you know, being on the water a lot, trying to navigate the Charleston just market and trying to understand the waterfront there. It was so shocking to me to look at a map and see all this waterfront and then very few like actual little waterfront real estate because you realize how much marsh there is so much water so much marsh. Right, right but very, very little buildable waterfront property um which right, makes it right. go at, um, a, at a huge premium well there's like a six seven foot uh tide swing here so that does make it much more difficult for deep water access right. so if you have that river draining out six feet or something like that you know, it's um, it is it makes it more of a challenge. I'll tell you, 
you know, I'm not the best, I'm not the, the best at, uh, at navigating the waterways around here, but it is pretty, it can be, yeah. you gotta know your, you gotta know what you're doing. There's a lot of oyster beds and, uh, pluff mud. Yeah. You guys know what pluff mud is? Well, you told us when we were down there last. You enlightened us last time. And then remember I spent two weeks calling everybody a pluff mudder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's basically like muck that is just like, um, accumulated over right. receiving water. Uh, years of decaying spartan grass and other things and whatnot but uh you drive your boat over that and it's a nightmare it's like quicksand <laughs> or you stand in it yeah you could be like waist deep in it it's terrible right. yeah, yeah, yeah. when i first moved down here i found it was interesting that uh compared to places like say like ocean city maryland which i'm sure you guys are familiar with uh you go in the bay you can take your boat down to restaurants and stuff like that mm-hmm. and here because of that, the marshlands and the cloth mud and all that, that doesn't really exist down here. You know, there's a couple places like Shem Creek, for instance, right. and Mount Pleasant do that. But um, I found that interesting at first. I didn't understand before I got into real estate why they weren't utilizing more of that area. But now I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Do you get a, a lot of clients who are looking for houses? Like, do you get the opportunity to show houses by boat? I know it's like a weird question. But like, do you ever get clients who are like, "Hey, I need to find deep water access for my boat. I can only see yeah. house." Yeah. Like, how do you navigate that? Because so, if that situation came about where we would need a boat to see real estate, we can make it happen. But there are certain areas, for instance, Dewey's Island, which is a little north of uh, Mount Pleasant and uh, Isle of Palms. That community is on an island, only accessible by boat. So. Hmm your agent would have to, you know, get you out to show real estate via boat. Um, and there is, there are certain private islands for sale around Charleston, which require right. only boat access. And to, to piggyback on that, like say, for instance, if you're on Folly Beach, um, you know, real estate that has deep water access is a premium, obviously. Um, and there is a difference between that and ones that, for instance, if they, depending where, where they sit in the island, they may not be able to, you know, access the deep water because of those marshlands that we're talking about. Um, so yeah, that is something that, you know, you know, fire clients come down, they do look for, and they are interested in, you know, the deep water access is a big thing down here for people. Is it hard to get people to understand? Cause I know it took me a while to just to get used to under to, or get used to understanding the, um, the massive tide swings, not being used to it. Like, obviously like I'm on the water all the time up here, but you know, our tide swings are nothing. I mean, they might be a foot, foot and a half, you know, our version of a King tide might be three feet, which is, which is not that big you guys have daily tide swings of seven to nine feet, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do people yeah. out of town have a hard time understanding that? I mean, it's something they're not, if they don't know already and they find out, it's kind of like, yeah. where, where did the beach go? Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, once they figure it out, you know, this just, you know, becomes a way of life. But uh, it is Growing up in, in Maryland and then moving to Charleston, it is a humongous difference. Yeah, and, uh, sometimes I, we'll go to the beach and you know you got to move your chair or something like that if uh, tide's coming up because right. it's going to be underwater. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll go from 100 feet of beachfront to maybe 10. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've been there. With, with. Sorry, I just watched a guy lose a tire. He just rolled out in the middle of the street. Wait, what? The guy just, look, look. He lost a tire oh, and it just... Baltimore is crazy. <laughs> Look at that guy. We know. He's carrying a tire across the highway. Why <laughs> not? Right. 
Um, well, I remember that we were watching, we were sitting there. I don't know where we were. I guess you called it the cut or something, Kane. We were watching the yeah. tide swing, and the water was moving at like five, six miles an hour just on its own from the tide. That's actually a good yeah. point you brought up. Like, that's another thing is uh, the tide going in or out is can be treacherous in certain areas for, right. for boating. And right. Yeah, I couldn't but believe that there was a boat launch there. Yeah, that's actually not – that's a man-made uh, cut that they have right, right there. Right. Um, actually, between our neighborhood and the neighborhood over in West Ashley, um, and it almost makes me think like it was not thought about, you know, maybe <laughs> having something unnatural. Right. Because I feel like something – like that one in particular, when you get out there and see that water moving, it is it is moving quickly. Right. I always wanted to just uh, throw a raft in there and just ride it down to the access – one access to the other. Sure. It's kind of like a river rabbit. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you guys are both into surfing, right? Um, can you go ahead and, and tell us some of like your favorite favorite surf spots, steps you got to look out for because of these large tidal swings and everything like that? Hold on, hold on. Before we can answer that question, it mm-hmm. would actually be against like our code as surfers to identify to you where the great surf spots were. So we'll go with the most generic one that everyone knows, which is the washout on Folly Beach. Yeah, tell us where, uh, where tours could come down and shred the nar-nar. <laughs> not the washout. <laughs> don't go to the washout. Go to the pier. The, the folly pier. Chris, Chris Kemp. <laughs> You're sitting there. So they so they get entangled by a fishing hook. Why would they go to the folly <laughs> pier? Actually, listen. Piers do create good waves. Okay. Um, but uh, washout folly beach uh, just past what 14th block on the east end of the island. Um, and basically the washout is what it seems it's a well the, if you're in james island downtown or west ashley you're probably gonna end up in folly beach surfing and if you're on if you're in mount pleasant you're probably gonna end up at isle of palm surfing right they're just closer and easier to get both have great waves recently what we have been doing is waiting for certain swell directions and then there's little barrier islands and little sand spits out there and seeing how the waves react to ba- uh, varying different conditions which we found a couple of secret spots, but it's the only access. Uh, let's see, it's only accessible by either boat in one one area and paddleboard in the other. So you have to actually take a paddleboard and paddle across basically an inlet with your surfboards on top of it to get to this place. And so the only w- why wouldn't to- you just paddle surf and kill two birds with one stone? I'll sit here and um, wait, wait your answer. It's exhausting. Oh, there you go. That's pretty good. That's yeah, it. I mean, it's a lot easier to Kane, take a paddle. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing you, you are right now. Arm. <laughs> With that, right? I, I can't believe you just right. admitted when that. You, when, you when you're sitting there, when you're sitting there, dude, hey, uh, did you ever hear, so, so when, next time you're in, a, in your little dinghy, don't turn the motor on, but just take your arms and just pat them on the outside of it and see how quickly you can move across anywhere. It might, you mean my boat? That is a an excessive uh purchase for a guy who really is just getting into boating no you gotta have hair plugs in his excessive purchase for a dude who's just getting into being a man <laughs> what did he say <laughs> what did he say it's wait it's funnier that he didn't hear it <laughs> i didn't hear it so um going back to real estate so do you think, can you and I have talked about this, right? So obviously the Charleston market is tight like every other market, but I also think it's unique because it was on fire before COVID. Not that, not that the COVID market yeah. is creating a market that's on fire. It's just different. 
do you what do you think is going to happen in the next? You know, I know you can't predict this, but what do you what are you predicting for the Charleston market? Do you think it's going to stay like this, stay hot? Um, I mean, I think you're going to have uh, varying degrees of progression in the market here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to pick up and slow down and that sort of thing, but it's I don't think it's going to stop growing here. Right. I think yeah. this town has got a lot of a lot of room to grow, um, and that may be. You know, a lot of locals might not be happy about the growth right. and where it's going and whatnot, but it's it's a beautiful city with a lot to offer, and a lot of people want to stake their claim here. So it's gonna it's gonna grow over the next few decades, I think. Um, it'd be exciting to see where it goes. Uh, there are some people here really involved with the planning of that, and I think uh, so far um, they've done a great job, and that's why Charleston keeps getting the uh, best city in the world award and that sort of thing. So um, it's exciting to see where it goes. Is Charleston allowed to annex surrounding land? Charleston has tried and has been successful and unsuccessful in in some attempts. Um, James Island being a great example. uh, The city of Charleston has tried to take James Island and James Island's also created its own town They've gone to court a few times, and, and the result of that is certain parts of James Island are considered the city of Charleston. Some are the town of James Island, and then some are just unincorporated county territory now, right? Which is our properties, for instance. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's that's that kind of uh, thing going on. But you know, Mount Pleasant's its own town, and then West Ashley is actually part of the city of Charleston. Gotcha. That's interesting. Is there a lot of, or yeah. is there any land left for like new development or? Mostly, is it just a lot of resale stuff, and every once in a while you'll see a new um, new building coming. Builders can't keep up. I mean, there is a lot of uh, new construction going on, especially uh, up the 26 corridor northwest towards Somerville. Um, there's been a lot of huge communities going in over there. There's development uh, south on 17. There's development in Johns Island. Uh, so there's a lot of new stuff uh, being built around Charleston. It's just they can't keep up. Uh, that's honestly the issue. There's not a lot of new building uh, anywhere that's kind of close to downtown, uh, obviously, because, you know, from the downtown area, there's a lot of resale homes that have already been previously built. So uh, most of the new builds are kind of out on the outskirts a little bit. How do you think, it, so with a city that has so much development going on, like in downtown, sort of, you know, around it, like what's the infrastructure of Charleston like that seems to be the the big problem with any city that has any age to it that the development we have our outpaces the infrastructure yeah what yeah we're having our issues with that um they've been talking about building a beltway uh, connecting the beltway through for I don't know 10 years or more and still haven't come to a conclusion on that um a lot of the older roads uh aren't set up for the amount of traffic so there's a lot of big projects in the works to fix that but yeah I mean it's a super old city and has been a lot of growth in a short period of time. Growing pains are going to occur in any town. It's just how they, they plan it out. Um, you know, yeah. they have, they have made some, for instance, John's Island, there was a big bottleneck there. They just, they put a two lane in and fixed that. It's been a huge difference. So that kind of stuff is changing and hopefully we can keep up. Gotcha. Um, before we let you guys go, if somebody's going to visit Charleston, so non real estate related, Try and rattle off like five things they have to do. You want to go back and forth on this? All right, you do. Yeah, I like when you guys debate, and then and then I want to get I want to get an updated list of restaurants too, because I don't think 
even though it's constantly named as like best food city, I think people are always surprised when I talk about Charleston and its food scene. People seem to be just, I don't know, ignorant. They're surprised? Yeah, I find really? a lot of people, when I talk to them about it, they, they're pretty ignorant on Charleston's food scene. Um, that's, so, that's so crazy. I think, you got, uh, I think you got to be into food to, to really, you know, be, be about it, you know? Yeah, to well, Master I guess P. living here, we're like in the mix of it all the time, and, right. and the, the city does a good job of promoting its own right. uh, food scene. So, like, we're constantly bombarded with new concepts and big name chefs mm-hmm. trying things out here. And it's, you know, it also has its own uh, history of food, which is much different than I grew up with in Maryland. So, right. you know, learning about uh, Gullah culture and food and seafood from here and that sort of thing is totally different than I'm used to growing up so uh i would say you got to check out the food scene um and you might want to hit the the staples around charleston i'd say one would be go to husk um Mm. what Mm. no everyone's so we have a classic southern we have a really big chef down here his name's sean brock and uh and he's great at what he does and he started basically husk this was probably back in 2012 or 13 and husk was a uh, you know farm farm to table you know local all, all ingredients and uh, and it was really successful. However, I, me personally, I'm not really big into that type Good of food. food. It's definitely it's what's that? Nothing. Like it's just it's just southern food, you know. And I'm but not, they you know they're sourcing from farms on Johns Island from local butchers and that, that yeah and they've also done i think a, if you're coming to charleston it may not necessarily be your scene but if right. you're a tourist to charleston i think it's on the list of things you should right go. also if you're going to go to house make sure you make a reservation like two months in advance sure yeah also well, in, in, in the defense recommend? hang on food? let me let me food? let me food prove jesse wrong shut up that? in, in <laughs> to, prove, <laughs> to prove you wrong one thing that guy has done a really good job at is he he has done a really good job at bringing some of that indigenous culture and even some of those foods back to that area, because I think I That's think right. for a while that entire area suffered from a sort of fast foodification of food. Everything was deep fried, and that's what America thought Southern food was. And yep. even though right. yes, I I do think it's kind of weird to go in and pay fifty dollars for shrimp and grits. I hear you, but it's not exactly what it is. A chicken and vegetable plate will cost you $35. Can you guys, before we go and we let you go, can you rattle off like about five things that if you're a tourist and you're heading to Charleston, give me, give me just like five things you have to do. I think you got to walk around by foot on the, uh, the old end of the peninsula through the alleys and you could bike ride or walk or walk, but just check out the architecture and the gardens and the views. It's beautiful. Um, Two, I would say, even though it sounds really cliche and touristy, actually take one of the tours, mm-hmm. carriage tour. Uh, they have one called the Dark Side Tour. They bas- basically, they dive into the history of Charleston, and it's, it's worth your while because it's information that you otherwise wouldn't find out. I would say eat and drink your way through Charleston. Check out the restaurants. There's a ton of great breweries, um, distilleries. There's just so many things to explore. You could spend, you yeah. could spend a year doing that. Yeah, uh, beaches, uh, stones throw from downtown. You have the best of both worlds. One What's more? the last thing? That four, yeah. What do you think? That's four. Um, so much. So much to actually do. What about like uh, the, nothing like the forts or anything like that. Actually, cool. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, fort, the forts it's are pretty cool. cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess I mean Sumter's a big one, but I kind of tied that into tours. Like they okay. kind of like history tours. Sure. Like everything. Okay. That makes sense. That covers a lot of those. Um, 
I would I mean, hit the, being I, out in the water. I would hit the water. Probably, yeah, probably be out like There's so many, cruise, cruise, sunset well, that, cruise. I mean, just so many things to see and explore on the water. Yeah. So many little islands and just it's beautiful. I I would I would do that. Gotcha. I think that'd be cool. Um, can you leave us? There's one thing you said that I meant to circle back to. So you talked about um, the architecture. So Charleston has yeah. a nickname called the Holy City. Can one of you just yep. talk us through how it got that nickname? Because I don't think it's why people think. You want to take this one? No. <laughs> Are you going to learn along with us, Jesse? <laughs> Go ahead, Kate. No, I, mean, I, mean, I, would, I would say that the, you know, the Holy City from... My understanding was just basically that the Charleston Preservation Society, Historical Preservation Society, pretty much you have to go through a long, extensive list to do any kind of modifications, upgrades on homes. And then most importantly, no building is allowed to be built in the highest steeple in, in the city of Charleston. So that's how I understand the holy city. I'm sure there's probably other a, uh, spirits and things like that. You a sky, the skyline of Charleston is you can see the steeples, right. um, which got its nickname. But here's something else to know. There was a ton of churches in charleston but there was always been more bars nice <laughs> which is how you two degenerates ended up down there yeah um, all right much. we're gonna let you guys go we'll put all your information Probably. in case somebody's looking to buy some real estate they can reach out to kane mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, <thanks for> <laughs> i was waiting for it too you got me on that one too <laughs> um no, so cool all right take it easy thanks guys good to see you again Hey everyone, thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Fucking Mike Tyson. All right. Hey everyone, thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. Check us out on searchbemore.com and subscribe to the podcast. And all future content yes. is available to you. Yes. If you subscribe. Perfect. Do it. Thank you. Good See job. You. Bye.